Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spares Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 21st of September, and my name is Helen Freer. So the Fed kept rates on hold yesterday, as had been widely expected. The SMB are meeting this morning and the Bank of England this afternoon. On today's show, I'll be talking about all of this and more market news with Roman Canciani. And Ronnie Kaufman is also on the show this morning to update us on the latest news from the CIO office. But let's start, as always, with the latest market news. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Helen. So it's one down and three to go as far as the major central bank meetings this week are concerned. The Federal Reserve was the first one yesterday and it delivered, as expected, no rate hike. Now, this didn't come as a surprise to markets, which had priced in a 99% probability of no hike before the meeting anyway. Um, The really interesting part for markets was the press conference by the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell following the decision and the updated expectations by the Fed officials with regards to interest rates. What can you tell us about that, Roman? Well, yes, uh, it turned out that uh, it was uh, what some analysts this morning call a hawkish hold decision by the Federal Reserve, which means that the Fed officials left the target range of the policy rate unchanged, but strongly hinted at the possibility of a further rate hike later this year as 12 of the 19 officials penciled in another rate hike this year in their expectations. Further, The Fed voiced confidence that the economy in the US is in for a soft landing, which means that rates won't be cut as quickly as expected in 2024. So Fed officials now expect only two rather than four rate cuts next year. Markets at first were a bit uncertain on how to digest those new forecasts, but then turned sharply lower towards the end of trading. The S&P 500 index closed down almost 1%, with only the traditionally defensive sectors posing gains, i.e. consumer staples, real estate and utilities were all in the plus. Laggards turned out to be uh, telecom and tech, with uh, both sectors down by almost 2% over the day. Rates, meanwhile, climbed strongly with the 10-year U.S. Treasury trading now at 4.42 this morning, up by about 12 basis points since yesterday. And the two-year U.S. Treasury is at 5.18 this morning, about nine basis points higher than yesterday, and as high as last time in 2006, reflecting the higher for longer environment for U.S. interest rates over the coming months and probably even years. The swap markets, uh, by the way, are now pressing in a more than 50% chance for another rate hike this year in the US, and this is markedly higher than before the Federal Reserve decision yesterday. But on the other hand, uh, higher yields are always good for the US dollar, which uh, spiked higher against most of its peers yesterday. That's not great news for markets then, but equity markets in Europe had a really good day yesterday going into the Federal Reserve decision, correct? Absolutely, yes. The trigger for the positive day across markets in Europe was the surprisingly low inflation figure reported in the UK. Britain's consumer prices rose 6.7% year-on-year in August, the lowest in 18 months and uh, much less than the expected 7%. This caused yields in the UK, but also across Europe, to fall quite dramatically and pushed up stock markets while the British pound came under pressure. The timing of this positive inflation number is also quite remarkable, as it is today that the Bank of England will decide about another rate hike to combat the sticky inflation in the kingdom. 
After yesterday's low figure, uh, markets are now pricing in a 50-50 probability for a further rate hike today. This is something we hardly ever see in the immediate run-up to such an important central bank decision. However, our own economists think that this latest number is not going to be enough to prevent the Bank of England from hiking rates today. Okay, so definitely a lot of uncertainty there, but the case in Switzerland looks different, no? Absolutely. Well, the Swiss National Bank will decide today about whether or not to hike rates. And uh, the odds for another rate hike by the Swiss National Bank are at about 70%, according to the swaps market. The latest inflation and growth forecast by the Swiss Secretariat for Economic Affairs, that's the SECO, uh, published yesterday, uh, seem to only firm the case for another rate hike here. They have increased their full-year growth forecast for 2023 from 1.1% to 1.3% and lower those for 2024 from one5 to 1.2%. Lower, but still far off forecasting a recession. So with regard to inflation, they now expect it to rise towards 1.9% next year after forecasting 1.5% earlier. So that basically means that it's very, very likely that the S&B is going to hike rates this morning. And how did Asian markets react to this hawkish hold decision in the US? Well, yes, quite unsurprisingly, they follow in the slipstream of uh, the US markets with equities down and yields up. Equities in Australia, Hong Kong and Japan are all down about 1.25% as we speak. And uh, just like in the US, it's tech stocks which lead the decline with uh, the leading uh, tech stocks in Hong Kong going down by about 2%. Stocks in mainland China uh, fare a bit better, uh, where property stocks rose after policymakers there published new measures to ease home buying rules. But still, the markets there are also down by about 0.7% as we speak. And uh, finally, a quick look at the screens reveals that uh, things could get a a little bit uh, complicated across equity markets today in Europe. Uh, All US equity market futures are in the red also for now, but it may be possible that incoming data, especially out of the US, might change that. Uh, Initial jobless claims, home sales and the Philadelphia Fed business outlook, one of the major leading indicators in the US, are set to be published in the afternoon. That's it from me. Excellent. Thanks very much, Roman, for the roundup this morning. And let's move on to you now, Ronnie. Good morning. Morning, Helen. What's your take, firstly, on the Fed's decision to keep rates on hold yesterday? Yeah, look, uh, Roman has already extensively elaborated on what happened yesterday. But among the key takeaways is that the Fed's decision to maintain interest rates was very much in line with expectations. And already priced in by markets as such. More interesting were the associated communications and the new dot plot, a set of individual economic projections from the FOMC members that essentially called for another 25 basis point rate hike later this year. As I last checked a few minutes ago, and as Roman has also alluded to, traders in the Fed funds futures market are still divided on the odds that the Fed will effectively follow through, even though they assign a higher likelihood now. But overall, obviously, the Fed has again managed not to excite markets too much and definitely did not declare victory over inflation just yet. Crucially, investors are still confident in the Fed's ability to do so at some point, however, because if you look at market-based inflation expectations measures, they remain well-behaved. 
But US consumer price inflation slightly increased again in August versus the previous month. Shouldn't this be a cause for concern? Yeah, we do not think so, actually. I mean, first, the year-on-year increase was expected, given a less favorable base effect compared with um, last year. And second, the overshooting of consensus expectations was indeed only marginal and could be well within the margin of error. Now, you're right, a considerable part of the CPI increase was due to rising oil prices. In turn, if you look at core inflation instead, which excludes more volatile elements, including energy prices, the picture looks more encouraging. Really no worrisome development here. As you might remember, we communicated some time ago that the decline in price pressures would not be linear in the second half of this year and associated with higher volatility. But again, beneath the surface, there is still ample evidence that the overarching disinflation trend remains intact. It is particularly reassuring to look at the trend in rental inflation, by the way, which by its very nature tends to be rather sticky, but which just posted its smallest month-on-month increase in almost two years. So the steady rise in oil prices then won't reverse the disinflation trend? Well, admittedly, the core inflation rate is also not fully immune to changes in energy prices. Uh, We looked at the data release and noted that uh, the increase in the core index in August was primarily due to an unusually large increase in transportation services inflation, more specifically an increase in airfare inflation, which is largely driven by the price of jet fuel. However, our research colleagues have just reiterated their view that the current trend is likely not sustainable. They find that fears about tightening supplies, which have driven the recent surge, are essentially overdone. Yes, OPEC Plus has decided to cut supplies, and yes, demand out of the US is higher amid better-than-expected economic activity, and yes, the US has also started to replenish its strategic petroleum reserve. But on the other hand, this is partly offset by increasing supply as pariah states such as Iran and Venezuela might increase their exports. On top, when looking at inventory levels, you can see that on both sides of the Atlantic, they are actually well in line with typical seasonal patterns. And even out of China, where we admittedly only have limited visibility, as you have to rely on satellite images and anecdotal evidence there, There is largely positive news that basically defies the global oil supply shortage narrative. Add to that a peak in oil demand, driven by sector factors such as the energy transition and structural demand weakness out of China, and gravity will most likely pull oil prices lower from here. So in other words, the Fed's reaction function should not change, to come back to your initial question, because of the recent rise in oil prices. But actually, it might change because of US fiscal policy. And what do you mean exactly by that, with them reacting to the fiscal policy? Well, to begin with, I think the broader investment community is uh, by now largely in agreement that the monetary policy transmission mechanism in our current economic cycle is quite different from what it was in previous cycles. Part of the reason here, it is taking longer for higher policy rates to filter through to the real economy, is indeed US fiscal policy which, unlike its monetary policy counterpart, has been unusually accommodative this year. 
you know, to put the Biden administration's fiscal efforts into context, one has to take into account that the Congressional Budget Office had initially projected a government deficit of 3.8% of US GDP for the current fiscal year. However, recent estimates suggest that it could end up being more than double that amount, in fact, exceeding 8%. So the latest fiscal efforts have been substantial, to say the least, but it remains uncertain whether the Biden administration can sustain the current momentum. The situation looks as follows. The Democratic-led Senate opts for additional spending, while the fiscally conservative Republicans in the House of Representatives call for consolidation. What does it mean for the Fed? Basically, that it has to adjust. They will either be forced to calm the market if the budget debate leads to a government shutdown, or to fight inflation harder again if fiscal largesse continues. Okay, and what does this mean for investors then? How can they position for this? Yes, um, you know, as as a multi-asset investor, if you consider cross-asset metrics such as the equity risk premium, you realize that bonds have become considerably more attractive relative to equities this year. Just to mention one particular data point. For the first time in 16 years, the free cash flow yield on US equities is now lower than the yield on 10-year US Treasury bonds. But where you put your money is essentially a function of where you see the long-term inflation average going forward. If you believe in the Fed's 2% target, bonds are definitely highly attractive. However, if you believe in 3% or even higher structural inflation, you should stick to equities. Now, those who follow our communications know that we believe in the latter scenario, but the good news is that you don't even have to pick a side and risk looking foolish if you were wrong. At a time when inflation volatility is as high as it is today and associated views as to the future trajectory continue to diverge substantially, the value proposition of a multi-asset portfolio is in fact exceptionally compelling. Regardless of which inflation scenario ultimately materializes, the expected risk-adjusted returns of such a portfolio are very attractive by historical standards. Very good. Thanks very much, Ronnie, for joining me this morning. Thanks as well, Helen. Pleasure to be on here again. So that is all for today. Thanks very much to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.